Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. My name is Austin. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to have you a part of Rosewood Church, whether you're here in person, you're online, or watching in the future, which I guess is the present, if you're watching right now. Anyway, let's just start over. Hi, I'm Austin. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, today we are starting a new series together. We're going to spend some time uh, dedicated to uh, the first letter that, that Peter wrote to a collection of churches in modern-day Turkey, which is, of course, 1 Peter. And 1 Peter is, um, or we call it 1 Peter today anyway, um, it, it's a letter of encouragement and hope uh, to a group of churches that are lacking in both. They're struggling in their own encouragement and their hope uh, for the future. So uh, we're going to look at those circumstances of, of why that came to be, and, and, um, and we'll get into that a little bit more with some context, but I want to first read, uh, I want to read the first 12 verses of 1 Peter 1. It opens that Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's <clears throat> elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Quite the opener, right? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of God in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. 
So this is how, how Peter starts off his message to, like I said, a variety of churches. Um, but as with any of the letters uh, that we have in the New Testament, and by letters I mean basically if you're looking at the, the New Testament from Romans on, for, for any of those letters, um, where, where it begins with us is not you know, where it would have begun for the original audience. Um, so it's, it's wise of us, especially with how much time we're going to be giving to First Peter, it's wise of us to, to look into those things, to look into the circumstances, to look into where First Peter falls in the, whole, the greater story of history and the greater story of Scripture. We need to know who was Peter and who was this audience and, and, and why was he writing these things to these people at this specific time. All of those questions and points matter. And, and we can do this because we're also, we're not going to rush through First Peter. Um, in fact, First Peter is going to, it's going to have kind of a strange order. Let me just kind of tell you where we're going to go. Uh, for the next six weeks, including today, we're going to be focused on First Peter. Um, then I'm going to go have a couple kids and, uh, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then there are going to be three Sundays uh, where some other folks will be, uh, will be here preaching uh, in my absence. And um, then, after those three weeks, is actually Easter. And then I'm excited to be back for Easter with all of you. Um, and then we're going to pick up the final three messages from 1 Peter. So 1 Peter is going to span quite a while, but there's going to be you know, nine dedicated messages uh, to 1 Peter. So that's just, just kind of, it's a little strange, so I kind of wanted to lay that out for you. So, all right, first thing, let's talk about the author. Who is the author? On three, say the author's name. One, two, three. Paul, good. No, it's Peter. You're so smart. Um, no, it, it's not a mystery. I mean, honestly, if you want to know who wrote it, just read the first word of the entire letter. It's Peter. And Peter was, in it, was one of the disciples of Jesus, and he was a very important disciple. Now, you might say, well, aren't they all important? Well, yes, they're all important. Uh, but, but Peter had a very significant, um, uh, uh, kind of impactful uh, work as, as one of the apostles. Um, if, G if you were to call Jesus, kind of have the one with the leading role in the Gospels, Peter's like the, the lead supporting role. Uh, Peter was, had a very important place in the story of the Gospels, and Peter is a fascinating individual. I've said this before, that I, he's probably one of my favorite uh, characters in, in pretty much the whole Bible, because I love how human he comes across. Now, of course, everybody in the Bible's human, but like, the thing is, if you are writing a story in which you are trying to cast this vision for this new religious movement, you're going to probably want to make all the protagonists in the story look really good. And this is one of the reasons why I believe the Bible to be a true account of, of Jesus and his life and his ministry and his miracles and, and, and a true kind of pointing of us towards salvation because, because what, you, what you get in Scripture is not a perfect picture of Peter. Peter is full of contradictions, just like you and I are. He is a person that represents, represents good and at times represents evil. He is shown in a good light and he's shown in a bad light. So just like a quick little peruse through Peter's life. Um, he is the one who Jesus says uh, his church, that Jesus' church will be built upon. And then in like basically the same breath, he says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Um, he, it, Peter's actual name is Simon. Everyone just calls him Peter. It's a bit of a contradiction. Um, we know that he has a mother-in-law, but we don't know that he has a wife. How does that work? 
He said uh, Peter was the one who, who, who stood up, and, and he often was. He was often the, the, the vocal uh, leader of the disciples. But he stood up and said, Jesus, I will never, ever deny you. I'll never walk away from you. And what does he do? He goes and denies Jesus three times. In fact, that's, that's often how we remember Peter, is by his, his denial, his three denials before the, rooster, before the rooster crows. Jesus blessed him, and Jesus was disappointed with him throughout his life. He was there with Jesus for his entire uh, ministry career. And he was there when Jesus was resurrected and, and showed himself to the other disciples and the other people in that area. But he was hiding and afraid during the crucifixion. But after Jesus restores him, Peter makes the proclamation of Jesus his sole mission and his life, and that sole mission cut his life short. Because within five years after writing 1 Peter, Peter would be dead. He'd be martyred for his faith. Uh, church tradition says that uh, Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel himself worthy to be killed in the same manner uh, as his Savior. So if you're one of these churches, you're getting a letter from, from Peter, that's a big deal. You're going to listen to what this guy has to say. So speaking of, who gets it? Well, it's a, it's a variety of churches. It's um, uh, five regions are listed in verse 1. There may have been more churches than that, but there had to have at least been five uh, that received it. Um, now, some New Testament letters uh, were written to, to one audience, like one church. And it's usually not too hard to figure out. Oftentimes the author will, will be explicit in, in like, you know, saying who it's to. Like in this, it says like, here's churches in, in all of these regions. And, and that is important to some extent, depending on what part you're trying to kind of understand and interpret in scripture. Uh, because when you're writing to a variety of churches, uh, one thing that, that's common in these letters that go out to a variety is that they, the, the author speaks in more generalities because they have to, because you're not going to talk about all these specific people in some region that's hundreds of miles away from another one. You're going to feel like, you know, why would you send the letter to me and then not talk about things relevant to me? And so Peter, in, in 1 Peter, throughout 1 Peter, speaks in a little bit more uh, generalities. However, there are commonalities between these churches, two specifically that we're going to look at, look at today, things that kind of draw these communities in, um, in kind of needing to hear this word uh, from Peter. Now, the first one, again, in the first verse, um, are three words. So here's what these three words, bring up the first verse here. It says, to God's elect, exiles scattered. Okay, to God's elect, exiles and scattered. God's chosen people who find themselves also feeling like exiles in their own homes and scattered. You know what it's like to be scattered? You know, you don't have people around you. You feel like you don't have the people around you that, uh, that are like you. You just feel scattered, even scattered in your, own, in your own home. And sometimes as Christians, you're going to also feel like God has chosen you, yet you're also one who is experiencing what it means to be exiled and scattered even in your own home. You may feel like you are the only Christian in your circles of influence. You're the only Christian at your job. You're the only Christian at your school. You're the only Christian in your your neighborhood. You're only Christian among all of your friends. Sometimes you'll feel that way as a Christian. Now, first off, that's probably not true. 
Chances are God has put other Christians around you in your jobs and schools and neighborhoods. And, and they might be wondering the very same thing. They might be thinking, I'm the only Christian in this area. So, so that's one. But here's the second point. It's, it's even more important. Um, that that is kind of the point. That we are at times to feel chosen, exiled, and scattered. Jesus says that we as the church are called to be salt, salt to the world. Now, now right now, we are, uh, we are the, skull, the, the salt uh, gathered. We're the church, church gathered. So we're kind of like salt in the salt shaker. What good is the salt in the salt shaker for cooking unless it gets, you know, shaken out a little bit? And, and that's how this works is, is we're all here gathered together. But when you leave here, remember to stay for the breakfast. But when you leave here, you all go to different neighborhoods and you'll go to different jobs and schools and, and, and you all have different friends. I mean, you think about all the people that you know uh, within, kinda, within your circles and, and you look at how many people are here and how many people are online and you say, wow, there are a lot of people within in our circles that we will interact with this week. So we are the church gathered right here, and then we are the church scattered. So do you feel like you are the only Christian in certain areas of your life? Well, praise God, because you just found your mission field. Yes, you could go to the other side of the world, and that could be your mission field, but also you could just go to work tomorrow. That's an option. If all you do is, is build a life that is intentionally insulated from the people that God loves and that, that Jesus came to, to, to die for, then you'll never get to have the kind of life that Jesus dreams for you, that he has planned for you, that he has, he has destined you for, that he is orchestrating around you to be a part of. To God's elect. Exiles and scattered. Chosen people and scattered. This letter is for you. I mean, yeah, Peter didn't write it to you. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is a, a letter that spans time and, and, and spans into this room and to us today and this time and the things that are happening in our lives. Now, this is not the last time that Peter will, uh, will lead into to, to this about being elect and exiles and scattered. So, you know, get ready for more weeks to come. Um, so his audience, that is you, um, are God's elect, exiles, and scattered. And, and of course, being, a, being kind of put in this box is not an easy life. But wait, it gets harder. Uh, because another commonality within the churches that he is writing to is that they are going to experience suffering or social marginalization because of what they believe. Peter says, now for a little while, you may have to... To have, you may have to, to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, this is something that Peter has learned firsthand. We'll look at that. He's, he's, he's learned it through experience. But he also, before he, he experienced it, he was taught it by Jesus. Uh, John says in, in John 15, uh, or rather Jesus says in John 15, that if the, the world hates you, and this, Peter would have been here to hear this, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. I mean, you listen to that. You hear the same kind of chosen, exiled, 
scattered language that Jesus first spoke and gave to, to Peter. And basically what Jesus is saying about faith and what Peter is saying about faith as well is this, that the world hated Jesus. It'll hate you too. It's going to be hard, but the end is rad. That's what he's getting at. The world hated Jesus. If you follow Jesus and you live as Jesus lived, you live with the kind of values that Jesus, Jesus had, even in the promotion of the good of those around you, the world will still hate you, and that's going to be hard. But the end is rad. Peter will say later in verse 4 that we shouldn't be surprised when this happens either. We shouldn't look around wondering what's going on? How could this have happened? Why me? Why me? Why me? He says, no, this, this is going to happen. Be prepared. It's going to be hard, and the end is wonderful. If, if you can hold on. And that's Peter's whole point. That's the whole point of this whole letter. That this will happen. That the end will be wonderful. That there is a reward waiting for you at the end, if you can hold on. Every one of us, we, we are in the same position as this church. Even though our circumstances are still different, we are always going to be in the same position. That we are given a choice, every one of us. A, a, a huge choice that is broken into smaller choices every single day. Where we have a choice to make. Will we suffer for what is right and receive the reward? Or will we shrink from the suffering and avoid the suffering but suffer with the regret. That's life. Life is about choosing your heart. Life's hard for every person. Choose your heart. Will you choose a hard path that will lead to the reward? Or will you choose a path that leads to regret? Peter says, hey, I know it's hard. And he did. But put your trials in perspective. See them from the viewpoint of heaven. That's why Peter says, you know, he says, now for a little while, you know, now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief. Do you know what little while is, what he's referring to? Life. For a little while, your whole life could potentially be this, this little while. You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. That may be you. Maybe me. It certainly will be different times in our lives where we will suffer for a little while. But from the perspective of heaven, that's all that life is. Life is just a little while. How will you live that little while? What hard will you choose for that little while? Peter's not being dismissive of a life that has challenges. Not at all. He's putting it in perspective. And because of this perspective, he tells us that we can regain our attitude of joy. In fact, we need not even lose our attitude of joy in our salvation because even during suffering, no matter what the world may throw at us, our salvation is not one that can be taken from us. We rejoice as Christians as a response to the new birth, as Peter says, a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, into an inheritance that can never perish in heaven for you. It is our salvation in which we rejoice. 
And sometimes our salvation and the implications of that salvation bring suffering upon us. Uh, but the act of rejoicing is a response to that living hope that is present even when we suffer, even when we experience the challenges that will inevitably come our way in life.